0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to munciefirstchurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, munciefirstchurch.com. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. know it's valentine's day this week anybody here yeah playing this valentine's day song here for all of you lovers out there yeah so uh, you know every year this time of year i try to do something a little bit on marriage so for those of you aren't married and don't care to ever be married and think that marriage is stupid i'm sorry the rest of you can listen in if you got friends that have been married or are married maybe you can help them something i don't know we'll see but one thing i know is Valentine's Day, is this Friday? Is that right, Friday? How many of you ready? Everybody ready for that? You got all your stuff done? Good, good. You guys are awesome. I, I don't. You know, marriage is so important and it's really, it's important for us to talk about it. And that's why I'm I'm doing this today. It's important for us to talk about marriage. And it's important for us to talk about it in church. It just is. Because um, there's so many places and so many chances to really mess marriage up. Anybody here acknowledge that one, especially you men? Yeah, we're standing here in the need of prayer today, you know. And uh, I understand that. I'm going to do a couple of sermons on this, uh, calling it vows, because you took some vows, and I want to talk about those. And so it's going to come out of those when uh, the vows, the oaths we made when we got married. A vow is a solemn promise or an assertion. It's specifically a vow is a promise by which a person is bound to an act, service, or condition. Uh, The definition of vow is to promise solemnly, to swear, to bind, or to consecrate by a vow, to a vow, to declare. Someplace along the way, almost all of us have made vows of some sort, different sorts, and probably a lot of us didn't even notice when we made them, okay? Because we're so used to saying them things like I swear I will never eat chocolate again. Anybody here ever promised that before? You know, I'm done with sweets. Never going to have a piece of pie. I'm fat and I'm not doing it anymore, you know. And uh, you know, that that lasts usually a few hours. Or men, I promise. I swear I'll never leave the toilet seat up again. Until the next time. Or I promise, I swear, I will always be on time from now on, ladies, men. I know you are. Some of them aren't. Just throwing it out there. And I swear if I ever meet that guy, I'm going to punch him. I mean, I've said stuff like that before. Or this is a big one. Most of us have made this one. I promise and swear that I will make 36 payments of $2,000 each. Do the third day of every month to pay off that $40,000 car. Anybody here ever make that oath before? You you signed those papers, right? And you declared that you would pay for that car. It's a statement on the state of affairs in our society that we have to make oaths and vows to say that we'll pay our bills instead of just shaking hands. There was a day when we just shook hands on it and said, hey, this is what we're going to do and our oath was our uh, stock and trade and we just did what we said we were going to do an oath or a vow is something that is much more uh, it's much stronger than just yes or no to something it, it really is it's it's declaring something it's stating something it's usually invoking the life of the property of someone that you are swearing or vowing by for instance on oh, my mother on oh, my grandmother's grave i promise you i will do this something like that that people say uh, or we place our hands on a Bible in court and say, I solemnly swear to tell the truth. Somehow we have to swear on something bigger than ourselves. Or, all, or by all that is holy, I will see that you get yours is another one I've heard people say. The Bible is pretty clear that we're to be very careful about taking oaths and about swearing by what is not ours. Matthew five thirty three through 37 says this, Your ancestors were taught, never swear, an oath you don't intend to keep, but keep your vows to the Lord God. However, I say to you, don't bind yourself by taking an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, for heaven is where God's throne is. Don't swear an oath by the earth because it's the rug under God's feet and not by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. And why would you swear by your own head because it's not in your power to turn a single hair white or black? That's your kid's power. But just let your words ring true. A simple yes or no will suffice. Anything beyond this springs from A deceiver and what jesus was really saying is this let your life be so honest let your word be so genuine that you won't need to swear oaths to people to make them believe you that you can just go up to them and say yes i will do that and they know that that's true or no i won't do that and they know that that's true so that you could just go back to that shake hands on a deal and the word that you say becomes true so Having said all that, the biggest oath or the biggest uh, vows that you make ever in your life is probably the vows of marriage. We who are married have all made some sort of oath or, or vow to each other. Somewhere along the way, you and your spouse most likely said some words that went something like this, I, Mark, take you, Darcy, to be my wedded wife To have to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. To love, to respect, to cherish, regardless of what lies ahead, this promise I make you before God. And we say things along that way. Some of you are nodding your heads and you're saying yes to that. Some of you are sitting there like, what what are you talking about? Uh, I want to dig into those vows for a little bit and take a look at some parts of them and what they really mean and ask a couple questions of can we really live them out, and if so, how? I heard Craig Groeschel, he's pastor of LifeChurch.tv, big, gigantic church. I heard him this week talking, and he said this. He said that almost no one ever remembers their wedding vows. They can't remember taking them. Anybody here, you know you got married, but you can't remember what it was you said. Anybody want to be honest enough to raise your hands right now? Only about three of us. The rest of you are asleep or you're lying, because I know that is not true. You, you think you remember them because you heard them at a wedding, but most of you do not remember what you said that day. Well, it's 70 years ago for you and it's it's a, only a few for others, but the reality is is that you were in front of a crowd and the pressure was on and you were standing up here sweating in a tuxedo that you had borrowed and, and you were you were in a wedding dress that was probably too tight and you were sitting up here going, I don't know what I'm doing up here. Why am I up here? I can't remember anymore. What am I doing? Or or the other is, how did I get so lucky? Look at her, you know? And, and uh, at any rate, people don't remember taking their vows much. So we need to be reminded of what we promised when we did promise it. So the O's or the vows. Christ started something like this. I, Mark, take you, Darcy, to have to hold from this day forward. So the very first thing I want to talk about is I, is this. I, I'm very thankful. I'm very blessed that I found someone, that I found anyone who would marry me. You know? I mean, you can laugh. That's okay. I That's supposed to be funny. Is anybody awake out here today? I mean, am I up here by myself? It it feels surreal here today. Like, I'm up here talking and everybody is not even in the place. You know, I can see your faces, but you're not here today. That's okay, but sometimes you need to talk back. I need to hear So, Darcy was only 20. She was so young. I married her when she was naive so that she would say yes, because if I would have married her later, she would have said no. And I had to figure that out, and I was a smart man. So, anyway... We got married 38 years ago. It'll be 39 years this summer, I believe. The question I want to begin with is this. Who are we saying our vows to? Who were you saying your vows to when you said your vows? See, when you stood in front of God in the church with your chosen, with your beloved, and you said these words to each other, who were we really making this pledge to? Who are we making this oath to? Was it to our spouse? Was it to the crowd? Was it to God? Was it to all of them above? Well, I want us to read some scripture here, and then I want to kind of dive into that. Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bible and want to turn there, I'm going to read this, and, and it should be up on the board. You can follow along there as well. Mark chapter, Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus left that place and went to the region of Judea and across the Jordan. And again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. And some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And what did Moses command you? He replied. And They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. So marriage was, is God's idea, okay? It is something that he created from the very beginning. He created the male and female for that reason. Man will leave his mother and, you know, and, and go and cleave to his wife. In verse 6, it is God's plan for a man and a woman to make these promises and pledges for them to be sealed and to be kept joined together by God. It's a very sacred thing. Marriage is very sacred. It's a God-given plan. And I don't believe it was ever meant to be taken over by the government. I really don't. I really despise how much they've gotten involved in the whole idea of marriage. Marriage. The most important part of marriage is the oath or the vows you make to each other. It is not a wedding license. Just throw that out there to you. You can take it for whatever you want. But I don't believe it's the wedding license. It's the vows that you make to each other standing in a place like this when you look each other in the eye and you speak those words. A couple joined together by a judge or a justice of the peace and signing a contractual wedding license have a civil agreement I can do that with any one of you we can all sign civil agreements with each other I can choose and go up to Derek and say let's start a business together and he and I can do a business together and we can sign a license and start a a business selling you know whatever and, and we have a contractual agreement together but that's not a marriage It's not about the marriage you got at the clerk's office, or the the license you got at the clerk's office. Marriage is joined and sealed in the heart of God Almighty when you make these pledges and these vows to each other. It's in His heart. That's how powerful your words are. A lot of times we think that our words are just meaningless, but they're very meaningful, and especially when you're speaking them like this, these words that are being said, they're very important. It's important that you keep the promises that you've made. It's important to be careful what you make oaths, vows, or pledges to. Your words are heard by God and they matter to God. So having said all that, I want to ask the question, when you made this oath, who did you make it to? When you pledged to be married, when you pledged to have and to hold, to keep, and to do all those things that you promised, When you made that oath, who did you make it to? I believe, and I'm of the understanding, that these oaths, these vows we made at our wedding were to God first. And then to the other person that we were standing there with. With God as my witness, I promised God that I would have His daughter Darcy to be my wife, to hold her as my wife from that day forward. I said, God, she's the one. He said, okay, that's the one. I said, God, I promised to hold on to her. He said, didn't you better? That's your job from now on. I signed a license in the state of Michigan honors that license and said, okay, and they hold me legally responsible for that, but I can ask Michigan to break off that license and with a lawyer and with a decree, they will dissolve the legal contract with Darcy that I made. they would be glad to do it. Not a problem but the vows i said the promises i declared to god and to darcy they're forever they were made and they were decreed in heaven and they were sealed by god and he said it's forever so that brings me to a really tough question one that i may regret walking out into the tall weeds on but i want to talk about it what about divorce and I know that many of you have been divorced. And I know that many of you have been divorced and remarried. And, and so you're going, what in the world is he going to say here? And I know that marriage and divorce and remarriage and all that stuff gets really messy and difficult. And I don't want to be harsh. And I certainly have no intention to be offensive. But I do need to be faithful to what I believe God is saying. And there's often not much you could have done to change your former spouse's mind. I get that. Or it could have been that there was some abuse involved in it. And all those things have to be considered. But if what I've just taught is true, then I believe we need to look back for just a moment at that old relationship between you and a previous spouse. Because if the oath you made to that spouse was a oath that was made to God and a promise made to God, then that relationship between you and that person and the promises you've made are never really fully broken. And I want to talk about that. See, I believe that's why our feelings and our emotions get all tangled up And when we begin to talk about a previous spouse, we get know, kind of nervous about it. We get all kind of upset about it. We get kind of all not sure what to do about it. Because she promised to love me from this day forward. He promised to protect me from this day forward. And they didn't. They quit in the middle. They gave up. They found someone else and made new vows with them. So I'm not telling you you should go back. That's right up front. I'm just going to say that. I'm not telling you you should go back. If you're married right now, that's the one you need to stay faithful to. Don't don't give up on that one. Stick with them. If the other person's married right now, then that's fine. And even if they're not married and you're not married, they may not be the right one for you to go back to at this point. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But I'm telling you that there is something about that that we need to deal with telling you that the vows made and sealed by God are not broken by a legal system and some lawyers. And I would say that if you've been divorced and even if you're remarried, you need to ask God for help. And here's the help you need to give. See, you need to begin to keep your vows to that person by simply beginning to pray for them. Some of you are going, what in the world? He's nuts. Never been divorced, has he? I can tell. Let me tell you something. A lot of you have kids with that person. That's your mommy. That's your kid's mommy. When you call her those names and when you treat her like that, you're treating your kid's mom with disdain. And you made a promise to her. and You can't keep it all. There's no way for you to go back. And I get that. But you can pray for her. And you can pray for him. That God will use you and use your kids and will help them to come to know Jesus, that they will come to be the man, the woman that God intended for them to be, that your kids will have a godly mom, that your kids will have a godly dad. It's important. And that's tough. But that's part of the oath as much as some of the other things. And I'm not telling you it's easy. And I'm telling you there will be a struggle in it and there's going to be a wrestling match in it and there's going to be part of your heart that's going to get all messed up from it. But I think that's why you need to go to God because that oath is still in place and you need to ask God to help you to love them and to help heal your heart. And part of the healing is praying for them and loving them and caring for them. See, youth, that's why it's so important that you understand that marriage is so serious. It's not something to just be trifled with because you're dealing with serious consequences. It's a covenant relationship made by two people and it's made in the heart of God. It's not made on earth. It's made in the heart of God. That's why if you believe biblical truth, marriage is not possible between same-sex couples. I'm not mad at them. I don't have a problem with that. You know what? People can choose to do what they want. But marriage is between a man and a woman. It's biblical. You can have unions of other sorts between two of the same-sex but marriage is between a man and a woman in front of God. And God's covenant seals it. And he said very clearly here that a man leaves his mom and dad and a woman leaves her mom and dad and they're joined together in God's heart. civil union is just a contractual agreement, but marriage is a commitment between a man and a woman sealed in the heart of God. And that's what it's meant to have. Uh, that is what is meant by to have and to hold. It's to join together for good and to hold on to each other through God, because God joins it together. No matter what comes our way, we will have and we will hold. And the second part of this is just as important and I want to Move into that. It's a little easier to talk about. This is the part of the vows that make it possible to continue and do what I'm talking about and to do the things that I've kind of mentioned to you earlier to continue to have and to hold. To have and to hold from this day forward. When you pledge marriage to your spouse, you made a vow that it would be from this day forward. And that for me, it was July the 18th, uh, 1981 somewhere in the afternoon, we made those pledges to each other in the Howe Church of the Nazarene, and we agreed that we would be husband and wife, and we said, from this day forward. Now, I don't think I understood what that meant. I, I just don't, and I don't think most of us do. But for starters, it knew, I did know this part. I knew from for starters that, that the moment we pledged our love and fidelity, from that point on, we were going to be all in, all there, Each other that this was a commitment, and it started here, and it went forward, and from that day forward, it had to be kept, it had to be honored, and that was the the plan. And I believed it had to be all on it. I I believed I had to to do it, and I and I meant to do it perfectly, the day I made that pledge. Anybody here, the rest of you, thought that you were going to do it perfectly? How's that worked out for y'all? Everybody here in good shape, did it perfectly, no problems got nothing going on. Is there anyone here who would lie and say that you're 100% in? I mean, have you loved him every moment since then? I mean, no matter what, you just love him. He's just so cute and he leaves that toilet seat up and might just splashed down for the 30th time and it, you know, but I just love him. He's so wonderful. And you honor her in every situation. I mean, you know, sure, she just turned off the Super Bowl so she could watch some silly little show about fixing up her house, but oh, she's just awesome. I just love her so much. Yeah, it was Hallmark. I understand that. Okay. (laughs) And you've always honored her in every situation, no matter what. You've never told any of those jokes about her her silliness. Never. And you've always shown respect no matter what. You've never sat with the girlfriends and talked about how they just don't get it. And you've cherished them perfectly. And the two of you have never had a cross word. I mean, Darson, I haven't yet. I mean, I, spoo- I assume it's coming, but, uh, you know, never. All right. And you've never thought romantically about someone else. I was <clears throat> oh, getting a little warm in here. And you've never had a moment when you wondered if you made a mistake. Because any of the above and you've been less than what you were pledged to be that day. You fell short. Because you promised on that day from this day forward you were going to love, cherish, honor, submit to and you pledged constant fidelity. And Jesus said to even look on a woman in lust is is adultery. And women, that means to even consider how nice it would be to be married to that other man is also adultery. So it's not just looking at her And lusting, it's looking at Him and wishing. And it's all wrong because we're not at that point keeping our vows. See, marriage is so constant and relentless. There are no hall passes. That's a fantasy. In 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for the rest of your life after you make that promise, you are married. And you find yourself sometimes overwhelmed by that situation you're in. He was rude last night. You don't understand how rude he was. She was harsh. She never sees the good things I do. He always finds faults. I can't believe she is such a mess. He is always too busy. And on and on it goes. And it's easy to think, well, why keep trying? They broke the vows a long time ago. Maybe you're saying we stayed together for the kids. But now we're at that point where the kids left. And I look across the room, and I can testify to this one, and I can't remember why I married her. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. We had the empty nest here, what, 10 years ago? And that was the most difficult time in my life because I looked at Darcy and I was like, what in the world am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because our lives were centered around the kids a lot. And they were the buffer at times. We had to figure that out because we had made promises. And so we come to that point where it's easy for us to say, she doesn't cherish me. He hasn't loved me in a long time. This marriage is a mess. Let's just give up. And let's go find someone who's more like me. But then there are those words and those words say from this day forward. And I love those words because they're words of grace. Grace. The words of grace, let me explain that to you. When you said them, you were saying them from the first day of your marriage on, like I said earlier, and that's true. But even if you maybe didn't understand them and understand this at the time, there are also words that promise that from right now today, this moment, what we're in right now, this very moment, this one right here, that from now on you have a fresh day, a new day, and a fresh start to work on keeping your vows Every day when I get out of bed, God promises me a new day. He said, you may have messed up yesterday, son, but today you're my child and I'm going to give you another I'm going to give you another shot at it. Never one time has I, have I ever gotten out of bed and God said, you messed up yesterday. You're going to live in that mess today and I'm going to laugh at you and I'm going to smear it in your face. I never have heard him say that. I have heard him say over and over to me, Mark, today's a new day. Let's do it new. Let's do it fresh. Let's start it over. And that's what this means. And that's what you're supposed to do. Every day when you get out of bed, every day when your spouse gets up, every day when you get up together, it's a new day. It's a fresh day. It's a chance to start all over. It's a chance for you to have a fresh day from this day, from this day, February, whatever day this is. What, 7th? 9th? I just live. I don't pay attention to what day it is. Come on now. From this day forward, I'm going to do what I said I'd do. I'm going to honor that marriage vow. I'm going to be faithful with God's help. I'm going to do this from this day forward. These are words that promise that from right now, today on, you have a fresh new day, that even though you messed up yesterday, even though I wasn't in the moment, you was speaking to me, and I wasn't in the moment, that's man code for I was on my phone. Checking out Facebook instead of listening to her. Anybody here else want to admit that they sort of done that? <laughs> yeah. I can apologize and I can set out and I can say today it will be better. I'll do right. It means that even though I failed to cherish Darcy this morning, I can apologize and start fresh tonight. It means that every day when I get up from the bed, from this day forward, it means that as God has forgiven me, I can forgive her for everything that has happened in her life. I can grant her a fresh start. It means even if the marriage is a mess and we are not even talking or even living together that day, that today is a new day and I can choose with God's help to honor my vow, my oaths, and I can begin to pray for her and I can begin to love her and I can begin to do whatever things I have to do, whatever's possible in my heart to try to love her from this moment on. It means that today I can pray and I can seek God to help me to get my heart in order so that I can love her anyway. And keep in mind that this oath, this covenant that you made was not just between you and her, but it's a pledge to God Himself and it's sealed in His heart. And so it's a pledge to Him, today I will do what I promised You, Lord. I'll take care of Your daughter. If you have a covenant with God, care for His daughter or son, here's what I do know. It's like this. If, if one of my daughter-in-laws comes to me and says, how can I help? I want to I wanna do something for Steve. I want to do something for John. I'm all in. I'm going to help him. Right? God, Darcy's his daughter, so that makes him my father-in-law. It's A little scary, isn't it? Tough, tough going to your dad, your father-in-law. He's my father-in-law. He's yours too, by the way. Every one of us is his children. And it sealed this oath in his heart. And here's what I do know. He wants it to work real bad. He wants it to work. And he will do everything he can in his power to help you to overcome whatever you're facing, whatever struggles you're in, so that it will work. I promise you that, so that you can love her. So it means that when I pray, and seek God's help to get my heart in order. He'll help me to do that so that I can love her. If I have a covenant with God to care for his son and daughter, he'll get involved and help you to do it. Because it's his desire for you to keep your promise. He'll help that happen. So let me give you a couple steps to help you out right now. Whether you're in a great place or in a struggle right now, number one, check your own heart. Are you in a right and growing relationship with God? That's the first thing. It's not, are you in a right and relationship with her or him? Because... You're not if you don't have a right relationship with God. So the first thing is get things right with God. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. This is good advice. Get things right with God you know we just need to have that relationship with God we're talking about that this morning in my small group that I was leading we got to get things right with God if you get that right with God if you understand who God is who you are and you get things right with God it's going to start changing everything it begins to move us in the right place we got to get it right with God and I mean more than knowing something about God I'm talking about you having a relationship with God I'm talking about you being in a place where God actually speaks into your life you listen to him and you begin to listen and do and hear and love and follow everything that he asks you to do a good and growing marriage starts with a deep right relationship with god in your heart secondly are you living in contempt and disdain for your spouse you know a lot of us are walking around and say well i'm married i'm telling you i'm married uh, she doesn't she's just one of these people but i'm still married after all these years you know? if you're living like that don't you know you got to get that right do not live in disdain. Do not live in contempt. Nothing worse than being in contempt for your spouse. It's awful to watch people who are contemptuous of their spouse. Third is, do not have unconfessed and unrepented of sin in your heart. Right now, if you have unconfessed and unrepented of sin, you got to get that dealt with. Because I'm going to tell you something, that will come out in your marriage. You've got to deal with who you are. Don't go looking at her and... I mean, I can tell you right now, if Darcy get her act together, our marriage would be a lot better. I mean, i just pointing it out right now. You guys all think she's wonderful, but I know the truth. If I'm living like that, I'm wrong. I have to get me taken care of. Mark's got to get it right. And when I get it right with God, then I can get it right with her. It begins to work. When she gets it right with God, when I get it right with God, if, if we're in a right standing with God, then coming into a right standing with each other, it'll work. It always does. You know, the problem is a lot of us have unconfessed and unrepented sin. A lot of us know we're wrong. We say things like, I won't do that again. I've done that to her, but I won't do it again. I promise. I'm I'm not going to do it. And we have human sorrow about what we've done. We've got to change this. We've got to become godly sorrow. Got to come to a point where I know what I've done is not just against her, but I made this promise to him. So it's against him. And I'm broken. I'm broken. And I'm willing to get in front of people and confess it and say, hey, I screwed up. I have done this and I'm wrong. And I'm willing to confess it. And I'm willing to get on my knees in front of people and I'll say, God help me, forgive me, because I want what God wants more than I want to be right and what God what God has for me more than I want to just walk around and look good. Fourth is this, how long has it been since you just sit down and talked over dinner with no phone, no kids to get in the way? Might be a good idea. Put some stuff away, take some time, sit down and have a discussion, as hard as that is. How long has it been since you treated her like a sweetheart? You know, there was a day when you couldn't wait. There was a day when you thought about her all day long. There was a day when he was uh, everything on your heart, and and you spent your time getting ready, and you couldn't wait to see him, and you were willing to spend money because back when most of you were dating, it was long-distance phone calls. I I know that. Because I had to make those at times. How long has it been since you treated her like a sweetheart? Go dig out the old pictures and remember who she was before you gave her three kids, guys. Remind yourself. You know what? One of the, the coolest things that happens around here, it's sadness and it's cool at the same time, is when people pass away, they, people put, put picture boards up and, and tell you who this person was. And you get to looking at it and you realize she was a cheerleader. She used to do this. She was this. She was this. Man, she was really cute. She was And you go, but all I ever knew her as was this older person. And that's the way we treat our spouses. Sometimes we're looking at them going, well, they're just this person. We forget who they used to be. It's time to get a picture board up and go back and look and remind ourselves she was this and he was that and and begin to look again and remind ourselves, oh, yeah, that's who they are. I remember in the hospital, uh, working in the hospital and, and there was this lady that was dying and she had brain cancer and her face and her head were becoming distorted by the cancer and, and her family was so gracious because she looked horrible and a lot of people treated her bad because she was just kind of horrific looking and, and it was just hard. And so they put a picture of her up there and she's beautiful and your heart went, oh. Keep be reminded who we're talking about. That's your spouse, that's your wife, that's your husband. Remember who he was before the daily grind began to wear him down. And I'm going to give you the last one here, and then we're going to be done. And this is the most important thing I'm going to tell you today. How long has it been since you prayed together? And I don't mean, yeah, thank you, Lord, for the food, amen. But I mean really prayed together. I was listening to Craig Rochelle this week, and he was talking about prayer and between spouses, and, and he was right on on this, and he was saying that prayer, uh, it, it's, it's a dangerous thing to do between each other. It's really dangerous. In fact, he was saying if you're not married yet and you're praying with someone, don't do it in 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 private because it can lead to things, because it's one of the most intimate things you'll ever do. And it really is. Be very careful, you know, who you pray with, because when you pray, you're sharing your soul with someone. You're sharing your heart with someone. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about hold hands with your wife and look her in the eyes hold hands with your husband look them in the eyes and say let's pray together and you go, but that's weird sleep together i mean you know, nothing much weirder than that I, you know you know if you can't pray with her then you probably shouldn't sleep with her i mean just be real honest with you there guys i mean that's kind of weird you can tell me i need to shut up later that's fine i've been told that but here's the deal when you pray with somebody hard to have contempt for them. It's hard to hate them. It's hard to stay mad. It's hard to talk bad about them. When you begin to pray for somebody, your heart's knit together. And they don't care if you don't know how to pray. All you got to do is talk. Lord, this is my wife. I don't understand her. I'm hurting. I know that I haven't treated her right. I want her to forgive me. Could you help me, Lord? It doesn't take much. It's very simple, but you need to pray for Find something to work at together also. Find a ministry you both love. Get involved together. Find the old you. Remember who you were. Look at what you have become and make the right adjustments. Having to hold from this day forward lots of meaning, lots of power in those words. Question is, how are you doing? So you can ignore these words and this directive I've given to you, but i got to tell you, you do that at your own peril when it comes to marriage. Nothing hurts worse than when you hit the wall and she says, I don't care anymore, or he says, I don't care anymore. And it never has to get there. The picture of marriage is the way God describes the relationship between himself and us. It's that important to God. He says, our relationship's like a marriage. Don't tell me you're too busy. She's more important than your job. Don't tell me you tried. Not hard enough. Keep trying. Don't tell me it's not your thing. She used to be your thing. He used to be your thing. Make him your thing again. Don't tell me she's just too difficult. I've met difficult. Your wife's not that difficult. I'm not talking about Darcy being difficult. I mean, I've met other people who are really difficult, and none of them are going to church here right now. You made that commitment to God. He's your father in law, and He has high expectations for how you treat His son and daughter, and He loves you both, and He wants your relationship to point your kids and your friends to Him. That's how important it is. Your marriage is pointing to Jesus, and it points your kids to Jesus or not. This week, maybe you we need to do a little time alone. Maybe you need to get on your face before God and have to ask him, Father in law, how am I go to him? You know, usually it's father. This time it's father-in-law. How am I doing with your Daughter, how am I doing with your son? Let him begin to show you the truth. Maybe you need to meet with your spouse and take her out, take him out, sit him down, buy him a donut at Con Cannon's or something. How am I doing? It'll soften the blow. You know, he'll be eating sugar and he won't have the clear head and be able to tell you the truth exactly. So give him a donut. At the very least, if you haven't been already, grab her hand on Valentine's Day and say a prayer with her. Tell her how much she means to you. I know this. may be weird, but everything we do is weird. So let's just be like Nike. Let's just do it. We have to. Father, right now, I believe that this was your message. I'm not sure I understood all of it, why you would want me to say those things, but Lord, I think maybe there's some folks here that you are trying to speak to, and I'm praying, God, that somehow that this message will break through into hearts and lives and will bring this kind of change that you're looking for, that you want. I, I pray, God, for those who have been divorced right now, that first of all, Lord, that their hearts, I know that these things trouble them and I know that their struggles. I, I want them to understand, God, and I pray that you will help them to understand that you have forgiven, that you love them, and that right now they are your children and that their marriages that they're in are great and that you are blessing them and and that you keep them. But Lord, help them to see that need to begin to pray for that other person, to begin to pray for their children's mom or dad, and to pray that, God, that you will just be there for them, and that they will come to know you if they don't. And even if they do, that they will be blessed, that you will have your hand upon them, and that you will guide direct in their lives. And Lord, I pray right now that you will be with the spouses here that they will join hands someplace along the way this week and they will pray for each other and that their hearts will be knit together because, Lord, I don't believe our church can really go forward. We can't really grow if our marriages aren't on place where they need to be. We can't really be the people you want us to be if our marriages are struggling. So, Lord, I'm praying that this church will be a church of good marriages, that we will be going forward, knit together, our hearts knit together as one with you. We love you. We praise you. And we're believing for that. And we're trusting you for that. And we're encouraging everyone here to just give everything to God, Lord. Just give everything to God. Help them to just see that you love them so much and that you have everything worked out if they'll just trust you. Help them to get their minds and their hearts off of all the stuff they think they have to have and get their mind and their heart on you. That you and you alone will seal that marriage and will bring them the hope that they want. love you. We praise you. We're believing you right now for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you and have a great week and enjoy your week and uh, do something special together this week.